Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 376. And happy Friday, guys. Surprise. I'm back with another podcast. I'm going to keep the intro brief because it's a longish chat and it's someone I've had on twice before, three times before maybe, but it's one of my favorite people in the world. It's Mr. B. Dolan. B. Dolan is a rapper and activist, a screenwriter, and just all round good egg. And one of my 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 best friends I, I i love this man dearly and he had a very weird start to the year you think your year's been bad he's had a bad year but it's been yeah i, I we were discussing it over text and i was like maybe we should get on the podcast and talk about this and tell people about this and update people on what you've been through what the plans are going forward there's loads there's so what we the main two things we talk about is what he's been through and the Minecraft gigs he put on. He, he he put on this Minecraft festival. So you go in the game and there's live performances. I was the the, the host over the whole whole festival. There's performances from Kimya Dawson, Wheelchair Sports Camp, from loads of really great people. Um, but it's in Minecraft. It's bizarre. It sounds weird. I was confused, but I absolutely adored it. We talk about that towards the end. See, so, so yeah, we talk about his year. We talk about everyone's. 2020 2021 uh we talk about minecraft and we talk a little bit about discord and twitch and things like that but you you're going to enjoy it it's a it's a powerful episode man i'm really glad we got to do this it meant the world to catch up with b it meant the world to be able to catch up with b but but we'll get to that yeah i hope you enjoy this and and listen to this one it's a special one i'll be back at the end to tell you more stuff in fact at the end you'll hear all of about patreon.com forward slash B Dolan. Yeah, you'll understand why you might want to get on board with that and see some of the madness going on in there. I'll see you in a bit. Let's get started. The thing is, she doesn't just meow. She also jumps on the desk, tries to knock wires over, bang shit around. She's an asshole. She's an old, ordinary asshole. All right, record. Boom. Right, I'm recording as well. We good? Yeah, we're good. Let's get into this. Well, I'm joined today by B. Dolan and, and his cat, which you might hear in the background several times. How you doing, man? I'm chilling. Good to see you. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. It's been a long while. It's been a hot minute. We've been catching up a lot on on texts and whatnot, but it's funny how I literally only use Zoom for work-based things, and I kind of laughed at everyone at the start of lockdowns who were like, oh, let's have a Zoom pub evening. I'm like, fuck off. But then genuinely, when I ever catch up with anyone I actually know, it's a fucking delight. You know, I genuinely... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like, oh, you can use this for things that aren't horrible. Yeah, I should be doing this loads more. Just like, oh, let's have a catch-up, man. Let's let's see how things Mm -hmm. are. But yeah, here we are. And and we've got a lot to catch up on because, I mean, for the world, it's been a hell of a year or two. But for you, it's been crazy. And I think that's the best place to start things because I think all things going forward... are affected or revolve around and all things a lot of things in the past turned out to be affecting so do you want to kind of explain the start of your 2021 cool where to begin yeah um 
Well, like like everybody, uh, I got a bunch of world tour dates canceled. And as a result of that, kept my ass at home and changed up my whole business model and plan for the year to begin with. That was like through the summer. I started doing a lot of uh, Patreon, Twitch stuff, and I built up a Discord community, and that was going well. And I had been in physical therapy at the time for this kind of like, I've been in physical therapy for years, probably. You probably remember me talking about it yeah. for at least five years. Um, yeah. It started with like some weird like burning sensations that would happen in my back as I was like digging through records or chopping food. And then there were a couple tours where, uh, and this was maybe after I was torn with you. I think the Copper Gone tour with with Sage Francis was the first one I remember being like in enough back pain that I had to modify what I was doing on tour. I had to lay down in the back seat as we were driving places sometimes and because it was weirdly painful to sit up. And uh, the back pain thing had just been something I was dealing with and taking advice from people that had back pain. Lots of people have back pain. Lots of people in my family have back pain. And, you know, people would show me stretches. I went to some physical therapy and they showed me some stuff to do. And that seemed to like strengthen it and get better. Because you're, you're, you're a bigger guy. So it's, yeah. I always remember on tour, you'd, you'd lay down after the shows or whatever in, in, the, in the dressing room or whatever. But you were a bigger dude. So that's kind of, you probably didn't assume that there's anything particularly wrong. It's just, all right, yeah. here's what it is. So, Yeah. And my whole family has always had back pain. You know, like that, there's a history yeah. of it in the family. There's big people in the family. And yeah, like I've been big my whole life. Like when I was a, I was a big child, came out big and like bigger than all the other kids in class and grew up in like a working class background where it was, where it's like there, lots of people around me would just grab heavy things and move them. And I was a big enough kid that they were like, Hey, come work on the job with us, pick this up, move it over there. It was like yeah. a, a thing. <laughs> and, you know, I saw the older people in my family reach a point where they, they started getting like shots for back pain and, or going to chiropractors for back pain, even had a couple family members who dealt with addiction and like chronic pain and opiates and that type of shit as a result of back pain. So I had, I saw that path in front of me and I was trying to work on not being on it. So between like tours, you know, I was trying to learn about I wasn't in yoga, but I was talking to people like, oh, all right, teach me what you know, like, you know, teach me some stretches, teach me, you know, and I was like learning, strengthening, or, you know, so I thought, and then we started the Epic Beard Mentor in the US, and I noticed about like three days in that my hand on the steering wheel, the three fingers on my left hand had gone numb from my middle finger out to my pinky, and the day I remember it happening and thinking like, oh, that might be bad. That I hope that's not a stroke. <laughs> and uh, then it wasn't a stroke. So I was like, oh, okay. It's just another weird symptom. And came back from that, finished that tour of like a month long around the US. And then uh, came home, got in physical therapy again. and was in physical therapy for like eight months that time. And they diagnosed it at the time as a trapped ulnar nerve, which isn't like a nerve thing that can take a long time to get better. But after eight months, and that was like right when the pandemic hit. So pandemic hit, I discontinued physical therapy because it, it happened in like a big office and stuff. And it didn't seem like a safe place to be. And only because I was home and only because I was not in physical therapy and not able to actively work on it, did I finally cave in to my wife who had been for months and, you know, maybe even years saying to me, like, you should get an MRI and like have somebody really look at what's going on in your spine and neck. And 
I had resisted that because of what I said about my family and the, the, the surgeons and the shots and all that. It, for me, like, it was like, oh, you go see a, a surgeon about your back. Surgeons want to do surgery. They're going to operate. They're going to start you down this road of chronic pain and all that stuff. And that's not the way I want to go. I want to, I want to learn, you know, how to strengthen. I want to, whatever. I mean, it's, it's also worth flagging at this point, the different relationships Americans have with healthcare and healthcare. To, to what the British have, because, it is a financial thing. Whether you've got cover or not, it's an industry out there. So as yeah. you say, surgeons will want to go down the surgery route because yeah. that's how they get paid. Um, an MRI will – I remember there was a big thing when MRIs first kind of became a thing in America that people were like, well, it's a money-making machine because it will show you yeah. all the things that we can tell you are wrong <laughs> and all right. the stuff that we can now get as you, you're on this drug, you're on this drug – and it is such a weird industry. So it's not the same as in the UK where there is that bit more of a, all oh, right, it's there to help us. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a driven, yeah. it's a driven machine in America. So there is a lot more of, well, they're going to want to do that because that's, yeah, again, essentially it's what pays their, their industry. So it's a, yeah. it's a bizarre one. Yeah, that was my outlook on it. And so I resisted it, but because of the pandemic, Desiree, my wife, she finally wore me down and uh, I went and got the MRI thinking, you know, this is what I'm going to hear is going to be an optional thing. And instead, what I heard was like the most serious tone in the voice of the surgeon who called me back and like a like a just a tone you never want to hear, like a shook tone, like a (laughs) like a we need to see immediately what your MRI shows is like a serious wearing down of at least three of the vertebrae in your spine. It's really unusual for someone at my age to have that severe a spinal injury. Um, And the MRI showed that I had bruising on my spinal cord, which is like a permanent thing and doesn't really heal. And that's, that's what was causing that numbness. And they started just asking me like this terrifying series of questions like, you know, have you had weakness and numbness anywhere else like your legs? Have you had difficulty going to the bathroom or like sudden urgency going to the bathroom and started really asking me about like my entire, all the systems of my body and in a sort of state of like kind of disbelief. And, you know, and that was, it was just this, you know, horrible phone call of, you know, them saying to me, like, things are going to move pretty fast now. Like we want to see you immediately we're probably going to want to operate immediately. And you have been walking around, you know, basically don't bump your head. Don't, don't get in a car accident because anything else that happens could very easily result in paralysis from the neck down at this point. And unimaginable man, again, particularly it is, it's a weird blessing that you were at home at at, at this point, obviously because you maybe wouldn't have got checked otherwise. But again, I, being away from home and being, you know, and getting anything yeah. like that, I, you know how how when you're on tour, everything else goes on hold, including health, family tragedies, all sorts of shit, as as right. as all of us know. But this was something that wouldn't have been able to go on hold at all. So it's kind of amazing that that that, that you were there and could just go, fuck, okay, kind of, I'm on my way. I'm putting my yeah. coat on now, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just a, like just an absolute shock. And then 
I had, I had not talked to the surgeon. I talked to his assistant first and she had scheduled a conversation with the surgeon a week later. And in the meantime, we went for the second opinion even though I knew with a diagnosis like that, your second opinion is not going to go like, ah, you're fine. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and the second opinion was like even more shook. He was like a younger surgeon uh, who was, who said, I've never seen an MRI this bad. Most people with MRIs that look like this can't walk upstairs. I don't exactly know how you're doing that. And uh, later, I, I basically, they told me like, we, the best we can figure is that your body has been maximally compensating and you're young. Um, and that's the only reason, the only symptom you've shown is three numb fingers, but this is like horrific. And that guy wanted to go in through the front of my neck uh, with this procedure that he said was less risky and, or had less of a recovery time, but involved moving my vocal cords, which could permanently change my voice. I could lose the ability to swallow <laughs> and just get, it was this really scary conversation where he said, you know, like, Oh, you know, there's a 95% chance of, you know, you'll be all right after this, <laughs> like what, and a 5% chance of paralysis. And so that was my second opinion from the second doctor. And then a week later, I talked to the original surgeon, uh, Dr. Oyelesi, who's here in Providence and just happens to be like one of the best spinal surgeons in the country. And he was just much more confident guy. He talked to me and understood that I was a performer and said, I'm not, we're not going to do the thing where we go in through the front. We're going to go in through the back. We're going to get everything, re replace everything. And his demeanor gave me a lot of comfort. And after talking to him, it was just like, all right, let's, let's do it. Like he gave me less than two weeks, which is even, it was, it was like, just stop taking any fish oil supplements, <laughs> you know, it was, it was mm. a short window of time to prepare. And then we, we did it. I, I can't imagine how terrifying that must've been talking about the first or talking to the, the, the second opinion guy. Cause again, I can't stress enough how your voice and your vocal cords are such a huge part of who you are as your identity to be clear. B Dolan isn't a character. That's very much you. Um, yeah. So not only is it your main income has been your, your voice for m many years now, but also just aside from that, who you are. It's weird because I realised that through touring and things like that, it it does change how you identify yourself. Like it's it's a stupid example, but like I don't particularly identi identify with the idea of David Meads. Yeah. Because I've been Scroobius Pip for so long, from before I was doing music, but it's a weird one that when people r refer to me as that, it takes me a second to go, all right, shit, yeah, no, that's my that's my government name. Yeah. <laughs> or, or it takes whatever. me a second too. People yeah. come up to me and say, I'm a friend of Dave. Like, yeah. oh, who is Dave? Yeah, yeah, it's such a, it's a confusing <laughs> one. So many of my close friends, partners, all sorts, have only ever known me as Pip. Um, my mum tweeted me today to say that she confuses people because she switches between david and pip just without thinking because she's known me as pip as long anyway and yeah just confuses people yeah just, that's just to kind of highlight how weird that is as a thing to be taken into consideration right because outside of that you'd kind of go right well if it reduces the chance of you being paralyzed you go for whichever option is the best chance kind of thing but i can completely see how you go right there's a 95 percent chance if i go that way but I could not be, I could not be me anymore. 
but there's a yeah. 70% chance if we go that way. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll lose that 15. I'll, I'll roll that dice on that extra, extra 25 or whatever. Yeah. It's a weird one to have to take these things into consideration of, of what you're saving, who you're saving. Exactly, yeah, which which parts of you you're saving yeah. for sure. And, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to find a nearby surgeon who was – a brilliant enough to I, I mean i felt it in dude's demeanor when i walked in too there's something like there's the thing when you i think from collaborating with so many artists and other people through the years you get a sense of who's kind of green who's kind of bullshitting you please say real recognize kinda, real please say yeah, real recognize real, real like, when referring to it, a like, surgeon i'm saying man like I, I i'm saying i recognize like mastery in the dude like he because he was relaxed you know like the people yeah. who are dope who are consistently yeah. dope they're relaxed they're they're easy to be around the, the the people who are new are the ones who are like really trying to impress you or trying to put on some type of show or you sense the shakiness this guy was just very calm. And and I, I brought up the previous surgeon with him. I said, you know, like this other dude was telling me 95% chance, 5% chance paralysis. And, you know, that's a little, and this dude was just like, he kind of just shook it off. He almost laughed at it. He was like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, like and, and without saying it, he was just like, that's other surgeons like that five percent like that's not me like yeah and you know even afterwards like quietly to me in recovery in the hospital the nurses would say you know he's the only guy i'd let touch my back or we noticed that his patients they they do better afterwards they Amazing. you know because coming coming out of it was a hell of a process and they you know they tell you um it's going to be uncomfortable but man I, I, there was a couple weeks of like hell there for sure yeah. afterwards yeah i mean th- throughout a, a lot of this we were texting back and forth a bit but it wasn't until you did your your patreon blog post that it kind of not it really hit home but it really because kind of the role of a friend w- w- when you're texting back and forth is to kind of distract a bit do you know what i mean and right. not be like <laughs> yeah, so how yeah. bad is it be so seriously yeah. go into detail of how horrendous <laughs> this is. It's, it's kind of to go look here's something i've yeah. been watching or give this a look right. or try this so yeah it was yeah it was mad to read that and you were great by the way like th- thank you for knowing that and yeah for, like talking to you was re- re- like it it actually like kept my mind off shit and uh yeah you have been a good friend through this process i wanted to say that to you. there are a lot there are a lot of people that hit you up like because that was the thing like like i said it was such a short window it was two weeks and in that time it was just like the awareness of it was just slowly dawning on me and my wife and and then every time i had to tell someone you know having to tell my mother this you know it was like heavy you know to hear her react to that news about her son having to tell my grandmother this having to tell people you know family members and stuff and it became more real with every person i had to tell like that so that process was heavy and then coming out of it i was just so i mean first there was just a crazy battle with pain and then there was just kind of a fog of medicine. And then somewhere around there is when I managed to like write that blog post to explain what the hell was going on. And then came like a lot of like, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, man, how you doing? Which I really appreciated. But also you're like, check out this show I'm watching. <laughs> like, here's some dumbass joke. Like, it was just easy yeah. to respond to. And yeah. Yeah. So so, so yeah. you you also 
you had some books recommended and stuff like that in this. Because, again, it's mad how short a period this was from yeah. getting the diagnosis to getting the surgery to being in recovery f- from the surgery. This was a lot to take in in a short amount of time. But you also had some books recommended and some stuff like that from that from what you've shared are quite philosophical and practical, kind of almost poetic and just realistic and functional, I guess. So, yeah, like how was that to kind of read yourself up on the subject and find the right advice and the right outlook? Because, man, what do you – no one knows how to deal with that. (laughs) No one knows how to deal with that news and that that, that situation. (laughs) Yeah, and especially – I mean, honestly, the the first phone call I made was to Kaylin Hepfernan of Wheelchair Sports Camp. I need to get her on the podcast, man, because all of this aside – Obviously, you put me onto them years ago, and I've always been a fan of Kaylin and 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 wheelchair sports camp. But that new track, yes, I'm a mess. I can't stop sharing it. I can't stop going on about it. It's a track. I saw her explain it as the s- song about what we're all all going through in this last year that I wrote four years ago. It's yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of <laughs> kind of amazing. It's perfect. But but yeah, I know that she was a big help in all this. Yeah, I called I called her immediately like upon like within half an hour of like that first phone call. Just I mean A because she's one of my closest friends for many years and B because she she was the only she was the person I knew who had had spinal surgery and has obviously had tons and tons of surgeries through her life because yeah. she, uh, she has like brittle bone disease so her bones break pretty regularly and she's totally used to it and totally just a gangster about it. I mean, like when I called her and talked to her, she's like, Oh yeah. You know, my spine surgery was crazy. Like scariest part is beforehand afterwards. I think I went to a Mr. Dibbs concert. (laughs) This has been her reality since she was born. And so she like normalized things for me and I'm sure she heard the fear in me, but you know, she checked in and has always checked in. And yeah, she's dope and been dope on, on musically. Yeah. That's, that's so important and so amazing because I, I kind of casually said there, no one knows how to deal with this. Kaylin knows how to deal with this. Yeah. It's, it's so dope to have someone who you can go, look, I'm spinning out here. I'm I'm in a dark place or whatever. And she could be like, yeah, no, no, no. That's That's part of it. It's cool. Here's what comes next. Here's the bit yeah. after that. Here's what's right. in four months, you know? Yeah. And it's been a big lesson, uh, honestly, about like the disabled community. She's been an advocate and activist for d- disabled rights. She's been taking venue music venues to task for years about not having ramps and, you know, access or your handicap section is way the hell back in the nosebleeds and like we can't see the show, you know, and these things that people never really think about and touring with her was always a lesson for me because I mean, we, we met at South by Southwest in like a crazy way without going fully into it. Like her band got arrested after we played our second show together and I helped her bail everybody out in Denton, Texas, which is the worst fucking town you can ever be arrested in for smoking weed and painting graffiti on government property. And (laughs) we've just been friends ever since. And then we were, we started touring down to South by Southwest for a couple of years after that. And so touring with her was always just a, a lesson in like, oh shit man this venue too this venue too like you know like we're just carrying Caitlin upstairs and stuff and and, but it's a beautiful process but it's also like just a lesson in the things even post-surgery I was laughing with her about like 
how I couldn't get towels up from over my shower anymore. And I was just like, damn, you know, my house is not accessible. And I fucked, you know, and now, <laughs> you know, and that, that that felt like a bigger metaphor. It was like, you don't realize the, the necessity of these things until mm. it's you who's in that body trying to navigate the world. So, yeah. I had, I had, I had an amazing woman on the, on, on the podcast who, who goes by the kind of public name of, of Tourette's hero. And she's got Tourette's and she's in a, a wheelchair and she nailed it But when she was saying that people always say of her wheelchair, of her being in a wheelchair, like, oh, that must be so restrictive. And she's like, no, 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 the wheelchair gives me freedom. It's the world that is restrictive. It's those steps that are restrictive. It's not my wheelchair that's restrictive. It's the world you've yeah. built that is restrictive. This thing is my fucking heaven because without it, <laughs> right. I wouldn't be anywhere. It's exactly. It's everyone else's um, yeah hurdles that are, th- are thrown up. But that must be mad to encounter in your in your own home in in, yeah. in in your place of safety to go oh shit there's stuff that you know i need to change here in this moment in this time and it's not ac- accessible it's not how it needs to be yeah so yeah i mean she was great she sent me a book by uh adrian marie brown that uh dealt with that and a lot of the things that it's about you know cancel culture and a lot of other stuff i've been thinking about through the whole pandemic and sort of is dealing with like a cultural activist moment that we're in pandemic wise, but through the lens of transformative justice and abolishing police and abolishing prisons. And if we're going to do that, then how are we going to heal the broken parts of society? And the the big metaphor there is how does the body heal? How does, you know, so mm-hmm. she hit me with this like perfect kind of like philosophical book called we will not cancel us that I definitely recommend. And then my wife found uh, this book before the surgery. It's just called Prepare for Surgery, Heal Faster, A Guide to Mind-Body Techniques by Petty Huddleston. And it comes with like this MP3 that's like a 30-minute meditation exercise that you put in. And that was the one before the surgery that was just, you could read it with no time. I definitely recommend it to anybody that's going to have a big surgery or has something they're concerned about or a big treatment. And it was like a read this two weeks before surgery or two days before surgery, and then throw these like this tape and headphones. And uh, it got me through some like long hours of like waiting for the next dose of medicine when they were trying to get my medications right. And I was just in like the most incredible pain of like a hallucinatory pain. And it was my first experience with like any type of real meditation. (laughs) I mean, not my first first, but you know, like maybe you meditate once, but I'm not one of these, you know, I, this is East coast, New England, <laughs> you know, you know, me. Exactly I'm, not, I'm was... not trying to like, I'm trying to smoke weed. I'm trying, you know, I'm like that, that's where I was at. I was thinking that when you first mentioned getting a, a, a second opinion, I was like, don't go to like an uncle or anything. Cause, cause, cause there, they will say, nah, <laughs> nah. fine. You'll Just be all right. Pour, yeah, pour some whiskey on it. Exactly. But so how's yeah. that been? How was, how was, finding meditation in this in this weird time it's so uh, weird because i can't imagine you doing meditation <laughs> but i think i mentioned during this period in vancouver i've been doing y- y- yoga all the time and yeah. i ain't a yoga guy at all i ain't yeah despite the way i look i'm not naturally a yoga person <laughs> in the slightest but i found a lot in it i found i found yeah. things like that really important and i think i mentioned it on, on one of the early podcasts but at the start of being isolated out in another country in this Airbnb, I was making porridge every morning. And as simple as that sounds, it's a meditative 
process because to make it well, you kind of need to be constantly stirring it. It needs yeah. to, to, to never rest. That's kind of the point. So having something I did that kind of held my focus but was a nothing thing, it's it's kind of, it's a form of meditation. I wouldn't have music or a podcast or the, t- the TV on. I'd make it in yeah. silence in the morning, whereas I'm used to waking up and being on my phone or, or watching TV or engaging in something immediately. It was a kind of a really enlightening thing to go, right, no, here's this this process. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, so you know me and you have seen my past 10 years of touring. So, like, I was smoking a massive amount of weed, yeah. especially, I don't know, I, yeah, I don't know if I was smoking that much weed because the weed in England is not good. But <laughs> I got, definitely got in the habit of just blowing down lots of trees on the road through the years. I mean, this the 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 process on UK tours would be, to make some kind of joke on stage about struggling to get weed yes. so that people will come to the merch booth at the end <laughs> and provide you yeah. with weed. That's a, It's a fair yeah. exchange. It's yep. There's no dealing going on now. I don't think anyone can mm-hmm. get done. No money is exchanging hands. Yeah, get these weird little bricks of hash or yeah. whatever, the, yeah. whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that that's... That's all I grew up on for years. I was smoking for years before I had any actual weed. It was just r- resin, solid, or right. whatever you want to call it over here. And then you let Americans know that, and they're like, what are you doing with this tar? It's like, yeah, yeah it's kind of fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on dirt weed, too. We had dirt weed. I mean, it's a whole new universe of marijuana these days. Like And like tracing back and really having to take time out of everything – that's a part of it for me. And I've always been conscious of that stuff, which is, and when I say that stuff, I mean like the way we grew up as like lower working class people and the, the, the role models I had, my father, my uncles, the older guys I worked with, I was working from the time I was 12 years old at like just random jobs, wherever the guys were going, they'd take me, like I said, cause I was a big kid. So my dad worked, he was a truck driver during the day. He did tile at night. My uncle did landscaping. They put me on the landscaping crew as soon as they could. They put me in the warehouse, cleaning toilets. I was around truck drivers. I was around. So all those guys, when I got older, I've made music about this. I have a song called Run the Machine where I kind of talk about this and it's always been like in there. You know, it's like, I really believe that as (laughs) we were kind of taught to fuel ourselves on poisonous shit in order to just keep going and just work Mm. and work and work. And I like, I remember certain things like my father smoked a ton of cigarettes. I started smoking at 12, smoked like a pack a day until he died of lung cancer about 10 years ago when I finally quit that. Um, so I was a smoker. I, we ate garbage. We, you know, I had, I've had to learn through my adult life to lose all these habits and try and like find a better habit. And that's kind of what weed was to me right up until this happened was, you know, I, it, I replaced cigarettes with that, but it was just the thing that would keep me going. And I, unlike a lot of people, I never, I would not smoke weed and get lazy. I would smoke weed and get like very motivated and very yeah. active. And I, it would give like, it would just give me like that little, almost like a nicotine boost of like carry these 20 boxes up and down the stairs, smoke a joint, then drive, you know, whatever the fuck we were doing, you know, yeah. like um, it, it was fuel. And do you think there was an element of, of, of self medicating in there as well? Cause I mean, you joked earlier oh, of, yeah. of an uncle would say, pour some whiskey on it do you think it was a, yeah. a well let's smoke some yeah. weed and 
I'm going to sleep better at night. I'm going to get better through the day and all that kind of thing because we've yeah. had this whole life of, of back issues and whatever else. Right. Yeah. I mean, they told me, you know, that you've probably been walking around like this for three to five years. Wow. So, yeah. And when I look at my consumption, for sure, like the last three to five years, it definitely was a thing that would just make me less aware of back pain or, but also emotional stuff. And that was sort of the kind of interesting part of the mind body meditation when I had to really like stop and do it. Someone else has recommended me a book that I haven't read yet, but the title of the book tells me, I think I'm really going to like it. It's called the body keeps the score. And that was like the, you know, so this mind body meditation tape is very much, and it's not some new age stuff. It's, it's written by a doctor and the, the science is pretty basic. It's just like, if you are sitting there thinking, oh my God, my, my shitty back fell apart on me. How could this happen? You know, I can't believe why me, you know, if you're thinking all this negative stuff, if you're full of stress, your body is going to release stress hormones. It's going to be harder for you to heal. And if you can get yourself to a positive mind state, you're going to create at least a, you know, hormonal environment and blood pressure environment and everything for like healing to happen. So therefore, if we can get your mind right, you will heal faster. And there's some proven like results at Brigham Hospital in Boston. They give this to every like pre-surgery patient and stuff because I'm not quite ready for the crystals and all that yet. But, <laughs> but, but this made sense to me. So I'm like, all right, you know, like breathing, you know, here we go. Let's breathe and let's think about every part of the body and, you know, like address the neck. And some of the stuff in the book was interesting. It was about like imagining like you're the part of the body that's going to be operated on sitting in a rocking chair and you're talking to it <laughs> and it literally just, uh, yeah. And, and what I found in many hours of doing that because of the necessity of it, it really would, the pain would start creeping up as the meds would wear off at the end of doses. And I, I would feel myself like the pain would make me, my blood pressure raise. And I would, and I would know that no, nobody's coming until 1030 gets here. Cause I can't have more Tylenol. I can't have more Oxycontin. Mm. So what the fuck am I going to do here? Am I going to sit here and just think all the worst shit, or am I going to put this thing in my ear and breathe? And I found myself like, you know, like talking to my neck and uh, telling it the story of my life or talking to this new hardware that I could feel like throbbing in my neck, these screws and this rod and trying to like welcome it <laughs> into my body and explain who the hell I am and what's been going on up to this point. And in that, in addressing those parts of the body, I found like a lot of emotional stuff, a lot of like memories specific to body parts and feelings specific to body parts. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, hugely instructional and surprisingly emotional for sure. I mean, I could get super specific, you know, <laughs> when I went like the, my neck, you know, I would think about bad times when my father would like grab me by my neck and shit, or, you know, like the, the neck, you know, what the neck had done to like lift things and what the, sh the shoulders and the arms had done, how many times the fists had clenched, how many, you know, there's a lot of uh, things that happen that I don't necessarily like put in the public or in my music, you yeah. know, some of them we, we toured while my father was dying of lung cancer. And, yeah. you know, I was going backstage and zooming, you know, with that, <laughs> or it wasn't, you know, but, uh, and so, that weed thing because you know it's more than just a physical like uh oh, smoke this and keep going it was an emotional like yeah. smoke this keep you know and that's capitalism that's 
even hip hop, that's hustle, that's grind, that's, you know, like all that shit that we, we were kind of indoctrinated with and taught, like, this is what you do. You just, you just keep going. And that, that for me, like was a, you know, you're not always like mate writing a song about your feelings. A lot of times you're like working on a flyer or talking to promoters or writing emails to booking agents. You know, like it's not all creative and cathartic when, as when you're an artist, even. Yeah. And, so and- there's a lot of a, emotion that you you think you're burying but you're actually kind of like putting somewhere in you it's in your body (laughs) the body keeps the score you know it it stays in there yeah and it's it's you you're completely right there that we've kind of we've built a society that implies that that's what we have to do that if we're not working then we're not worth anything if if you know i mean everything has to be working towards something or literally i talk all the time about the, the gamification of, of 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 humans, but it's it's more than ever. If we're not getting our our, our steps up on our fucking our, our step count on our phone or whatever yeah. else, there's all these things. And I think it's got worse in the pandemic. I'd hoped in the pandemic we'd step away from it a bit, but we put so much of our our value as humans on productivity as if we're a commodity, and that's because of I do believe it's because of social media and all these things because they. Because we are the commodity, we are the commodity yeah. that Facebook are selling, that Twitter are selling, that Instagram is selling. We talk about creating content again. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a completely a commodity. <laughs> what the fuck are we yeah. doing? It's so mad that we've just accepted this, but it's a worrying part of society. And I think completely, the more that's happening without us being aware of it, the more that's going to be taking tolls on us that we don't realize until way, way down the line. Yeah. And yeah, that's fucking scary. Yeah, I was surprised at how much I discovered of it in myself when I really had to, was forced to stop and was forced to just sit there and breathe and think how about my left arm <laughs> or, you know, just address my body right here in this moment. I was definitely a surprise. And, you know, the, the antidote to it is <laughs> as corny as it sounds, to someone like me was is you know love and like switching that mind state to loving yourself loving or feeling allowing yourself to feel love from other people and that was kind of all there was to do so i did a lot of crying in a hospital bed and came home and cried some more <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh and then we got the meds right and before we got the meds right i had like a ayahuasca level fight with pain where i i thought i saw the devil <laughs> it was like uh, and then my wife i i reached a point where i i was like this is it you know because also th- i've never had a major surgery they ask you this like these kind of vague questions like tell us your pain on a scale of one to ten and i'm like well you know seven I'm not screaming <laughs> and then they go, they go away and for five hours and then at the end of the five hours you're at the ten or you know, you don't know how bad it's supposed to be. And it turned out that I just wasn't given this very common pain medicine or this nerve medicine in the hospital that everybody gets after my surgery, but for some reason I wasn't prescribed it. And so nothing they were really giving me, including like a big dose of Oxycontin would address this fire that was happening through my entire upper body. And later a surgeon explained it like, if you think of a swaddled baby, 
that's your compressed spine. And we just decompressed it and put a steel rod in there. So now every nerve in your upper body is like stretching out like an unwrapped baby and kind of going where it's tried to be for the last five years. And you're going to feel that happening if we don't give you nerve medicine. And they hadn't. So I was just asking for ice packs because I couldn't, you know, every muscle was like spasming and it was insane. And I had, I reached a like hallucinatory point with it, you know, tears streaming down my face, ice packs on my whole body. My wife's coming in the room. Like, are you okay? I'm like, no, leave me. This is what it is. This, you know, I was like, <laughs> I, 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 after like the, the long ass night, I, I, I was like, call the doctor, ask him if I can have some more pain. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I, you know, I, I was like, fuck it, man. If this is what it is, like, let's do this shit. Like, this is this is the showdown, man. This I can is, go further. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and instead she's just like, uh, I'm going to call them and just ask if this is correct. And she was very nice to the woman on the phone. And they were like, oh, no, he, he should definitely have this medicine. And then when they gave me that, this is like two days after I came home, like eight days after the surgery. I was suddenly like a human being again that could yeah. think and and walk and stuff. And then, you know, I was on a walker and I was in, had a cane and uh, I'm off that, started you, physical therapy. Do, do you think the devil came out of a specific part of, of your body? Because there's a few times that we shared hotel rooms and it sounded like the devil was trying to get out of you when you were snoring. Um, yeah. <laughs> how long do you think he exactly was in there? And... <laughs> He, oh, he was in there a long time. Yeah, I had, I had to threaten him with a dragon that lived in the base of my spine. Amazing. So, so yeah. Again, the good part is you've you've you're 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 coming out the other side of all this. As said, you've no longer needing a walker or or a cane and and these things. What is the kind of or or how are you feeling now? And what's the kind of long term idea? with stuff like that because again we're kind of b- b- blessed to be in a world where you don't have to be worrying about touring because that sh- shit ain't happening anyway but what's yeah. your kind of outlook on all that because it's a it's huge changes yeah uh it remains to be seen i um i still um i just started physical therapy about a week ago i came out with this kind of strange palsy related to one of the vertebrae that wouldn't that was affecting my rotator cuff. It still is. My left side is still weaker than my right side. And uh, so I had, I, for up until yesterday, I wasn't able to raise my left hand higher than the level of my shoulder. Uh, but weirdly, like once I get it all the way up, I can keep it up there. But when it's halfway, that's, that's what's related to that particular vertebrae. So things like physical therapy are going to help me like retrain the nerves to do that stuff. And then we still got to do some more tests. There might even be another surgery. We are going to do an MRI on my lower back just to make sure that that's good. But um, basically I'm not going anywhere, even if the pandemic were over tomorrow for a little while. And uh, the price has gone up for sure. Don't reach out if you're a promoter. I think that's the big takeaway. Unless you, unless you're flying a helicopter, I'm kidding, yeah. but I'm not kidding. But no, I mean, yeah, it's not going to happen in the well, same genuinely, way. Genuinely, it is a weird thing because we've lived that life of n- no show too small kind of thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? In Europe and stuff like that in particular, obviously we've all had big shows. We've got places where there's our big following, but the hustle part of rap has always been 
for us, for for people like us, been well, if they want us, if if we're invited, then we're going. Do you know what I mean? If, if right. there's ten people who want to see the show, then they're seeing the show. We'll get there, and we'll make it happen. I remember you doing. I think when I'm not sure if it was yeah it was it was when me and Dan were touring, but I remember you go, going off on the train in Europe to do extra shows and to do a solo show here. And yeah. If there's a day off, it's like right, <laughs> yeah. I'll go to Sweden because there's. Yeah. a commune who's asked me to come and, and do a spoken <laughs> word gig i'll get there and make this yeah. work so but again i think you're completely right in saying it and we've said it as a joke but i sp- i spoke to a simon Pegg about this and he gave the example of when he had kids his choices for films and projects change completely because it's like you've got to drag me away from my family you've yeah. got to really make it yeah. worth my while to leave my family yeah. and come and do this whereas when you're younger you're like I just want to make films and uh, and create art. Whereas again, I can see w- <laughs> yeah. with you now that it's right to go. No, you know, I've got to make sure I'm being paid properly and and the shows are are, are good. Right? Otherwise, why would I put myself through this? Yeah, and as a practicality, I mean, I'm I'm going to have to hire people to move those boxes. I can't move those boxes yeah. anymore. I mean, there's certain stuff like. You know, if you saw me do the poem still electric at any point, I want you to really cherish it because my head doesn't turn that way and it's never going to turn that way again. (laughs) You know, Um, so certain stuff that's just going to be the new reality and the new normal. But, you know, at the same time, I I wouldn't trade those early years because that's why we have the fans we have now. And I got to see so much of the world and some of those small shows were some of my favorites. and, And so that was what I was doing then. And now, you know, the the pandemic has also taught me a bunch of lessons about uh, about the reality, really, of of art and commerce. And we were sort of existing on that 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 DIY circuit, which is a great circuit, uh, but it's just not going to be my circuit past this point. And the cycle that we were in of how to do things, sort of at a certain point, came out of it it working. You know, I was able to make as many records and mixtapes and successful tours out of it as I was by taking advances from record labels and then for, for some of the cash to make a record and then going on tour for the rest, gaining fans with great live performances and hand to hand talking to people at the merch booth. But that was also a cycle that kept me on the road continuously. So when the pandemic put a stop to it, it, I had to shift gears even before the surgery into like, okay, how else can my fans support me? And this this idea that had been kind of hanging around that I've been hearing younger artists and other artists talk about of Patreon, that you know was something that I was like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe sometime I'll I'll take the time to look and figure out how to do that. It became a necessity, so I had to. Die. We're actually coming up on like the one year anniversary of me really. Oh, I think me even starting the Patreon mm. and realizing that support is different and there's different types of support. There are some fans who will come out once every five years when we're in your town and buy a a 10 pound CD and maybe they're in it for the night out or, you know, like maybe they're not hardcore diehard, really, really invested. There are some fans that will click like on a fake Facebook post, almost said fake book. That was a Freudian slip, (laughs) but you know, like that type of support from fans while it feels like support when they do it is actually not the type of support that sustains us. And the type of support that sustains us comes from a different type of person who's so committed to what we do and so with it that they really would back us 
if we gave them more, they would give us more in terms of like financial support throughout the year. So they would subscribe to us for $10 a month, $35 a month, $50 a month. Some people were giving me $250 a month during the pandemic. They basically gave me their whole stimulus check. And I was just like trying to figure out how to create the value for them. I'm not, I'm not doing that tier anymore because I've realized, you know, I've learned more how to tailor it through Mm. the year, but I've, I kind of had to learn it. And I had to figure out like, what else could I give you? Well, oh, okay. You're interested in like sneak peeks at what I'm working on, or you're interested in more communication from me. I was, I was into that old model of like mystique too, of like it, you know, if aside from the tour, it seems like I disappear. And then I come back five years later with a finished album that I magically made out of nothing. When in fact, like I'm a working class person like you, I'm going out and getting that cash bringing it home, paying musicians, paying graphic designers, paying studio engineers, paying lots of people to make this magic happen. And in fact, like we could retool it all and we could change the business model to where now my fans directly give me the monthly support that it takes to make the music. And I don't have to do the advances and I don't have to do the the halfway, well, maybe we'll make money, maybe we won't type tours. I can only leave the house if it's really worth doing and that can make more stuff. It's been such a weird progression in the music industry where there was a point where everyone went, the internet's here, we don't need major labels anymore. Artists can do it themselves. We can have a direct relationship with fans. And that was all very exciting. And then the next progression was fans turning around and going, I'm not going to pay for music anymore. (laughs) I've got Spotify. (laughs) And I'm going to essentially have every record in the world for this bizarrely small amount it's a bizarrely small amount for the same reason primark clothes are bizarrely cheap it's because someone is being screwed over someone is 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 losing their livelihood someone is is being fucked over so it's really interesting seeing how people are readdressing that again especially in the pandemic because previously the argument was we readdress it by touring hard and we make yeah. money from live shows and we're on the merch booth and we sell T-shirts and we have a new T-shirt every tour and all this kind of thing. Now that's out the window. Everything has to be readjusted. And I've been f- fascinated to see the passion with which you've jumped into Patreon and all that because it's not a case of just, I need to make some money and let's do this. You've gone deep into it. Like I still don't yeah. really know what Discord is. But you've yeah. you've you've just gone <laughs> so deep into Discord, and you do film nights, viewing parties, all sorts of other shit. Kind of, and I mean, I want to go back towards the end. I want to go back to you explaining what Discord is to me because I realise yeah. that that's mainly just a conversation between you and me, and no one else cares. So before well, no, we get to it, that, it, go on. Yeah. Go on. No, I'm going to tell you, it, it, it there is a learning curve, and our demographic is resistant to it yeah. because of our age. Yeah. There's a there's kids <laughs> younger than us that are just on this shit already. And yeah. what the good news is, it's the antidote to all the stuff we hate about Facebook and Twitter, all that like algorithm shit. And you got to pay to boost your post on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Discord was originally for gamers yeah. and it's just used so they can like sync up and like, we're all going to raid at 7 PM Eastern time. Here's set your reminder. And all I got to do is say at Scribius Pip and you get a push alert right to your phone. There's no algorithm. It's more like the, the message board, the older, older version of yeah. the internet. But yeah, the learning curve is, is real. And it's the main barrier 
between all the stuff that's keeping us back and for fans too that are like what is this patreon thing why can't i just come to your show why can't i just buy the cd what or or people being like why can't i just give you five pounds and get this like new music you're offering it's like no well it's five pounds a month because that new music is not done yet so you're getting a sneak peek and if you want to just pay five pounds for the track you could wait for it but like here's the deal when you stream it or you post it on facebook or you watch it on youtube i get 0.0006 cents and if you want me to be able to finish it <laughs> you have to find a different you have to as a fan in your head you've got to switch it around just like as an artist in my head i had to switch it around yeah. um but yeah it's it's a new model that's going on but i mean speaking of of, of new models then uh, we need to talk about M- minecraft uh, yes. and nether because <laughs> that shit model. blew my mind um yeah i'm i'm I need to push more and 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 fuck, and, fuck, and fuck about more with Minecraft because I haven't really s- since that gig. But you hit me up saying you hit me and a few others, in, including Kaylin and a load of other artists, and said, "Look, I'm, I'm bu- me and my nephew are building an <laughs> arena, this or a world yeah. in Minecraft, and we're going to put on a festival." And yeah. it sounded grand, and then then what you delivered was even grander tell me about the journey into minecraft and and the next one i I, literally just before we started this i saw you tweet that you've got a date uh, for the next one which i think is march 27th yeah i've got two more lined up there's uh yeah tell tell the people all about this madness (laughs) because again i i then attended with my goddaughter um, and watched <laughs> all sorts of artists that I'm a fan of perform in Minecraft while I was in there, and it was the maddest thing. So, yeah, your goddaughter is killing it too. I might ask her to build stages for the next one. She's she's good, amazing. She's got Minecraft skills. I love it. She's um, she designed a, 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 one of my most recent pieces of merch and got paid oh, as a contributing artist. Uh, so, so she's qualified to <laughs> yeah to, to earn skills. as a creator. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have an eight-year-old nephew, and when the pandemic started, he's the only child. It was around March. He had been playing Minecraft for quite a while, and I had not been playing any video games for at least a decade since I like a PlayStation 2, and I, I realized at that point, this was like, I think before my first album came out, I was like, I can finish the album and have a career as an artist, or I could keep playing video games, and so I stopped, and when the pandemic hit, I had a bunch of free time on my hands. I was aware of how lonely he was at home. And I realized that somehow at a certain point that we could both play Minecraft together remotely and virtually inhabit the same world. So we started just hanging out. And oh, Discord was the other thing. I had learned Discord in order to integrate it with Patreon. And I became aware like, oh, now I have this program on my computer that is is for people with headsets to talk to each other while they play video games. So I said, you know, like here, you get a headset, we'll talk together and we'll play Minecraft together. And Minecraft is for those who are not gaming, it's not like our generation of video games, really. It's not like linear where you got to like save the princess or get to the end. There is an end and there's a dragon, but almost no one cares about it. And no one ever plays it that way. 
it's much more about like just building things. And it's just like this sandbox where you can turn stuff into other stuff. There's this stuff called redstone that basically acts like an electrical circuit. There's these things called note blocks that depending on what you put the note block on top of, it might make a kick drum sound or a snare drum sound. So I like, I made a drum machine. And that was when I, I like it, like the old video game bug, like came back and like yeah. he went to bed and I was still playing Minecraft for a couple hours, just like <laughs> pandemic depression, like, you know, and uh, so I built a music venue in there and my Twitch streams, I was doing weekly Twitch streams. And so I was talking about that with fans and Patreon subscribers and joking like, oh, maybe when we hit a hundred followers, we'll do a concert in there. Everybody can like join my server and we'll have a concert. And then it was, well, if I'm going to do that, well, maybe I'll invite somebody else and maybe I'll invite somebody on what, Oh, Kimia Dawson wants to play. Cause you know, <laughs> like, well, Oh shit, this is a lineup now. Like we should promote this. This is it. So it just snowballed on its own and it became a pretty terrifying thing because it, like by November we had promoted it and we're like, shit, we're about to do this. And, and people from Minecraft were retweeting it and getting involved. And, and it was like, are 2000 people about to join the server? And do we know how to do this? And, and uh, on my 2014 MacBook, like every, all these other kids on Twitch are playing with gaming PCs and shit. And we, we launched, we did it. It went off without a hitch. I, I, and I guaranteed artists like a traditional show because it's a pandemic and I'm aware, like I'm asking people to send me audio sets. Um, and so I, I gave like modest guarantees to all the acts that I asked and to book. And then we went live with the stream. So what happens is it goes live on Twitch or YouTube. And if you don't have Minecraft, you don't play Minecraft, you can watch and, and you'll see basically one person's point of view acting as a camera kind of a concert film and that also broadcasts the audio which is pre-recorded and all the artists send in in the days before and then gets just like glued together and then you gave us the hosting bits like we say the script you sent back the hosting parts chopped it all up lined it all up and created this big like six hour audio file so you hear the audio through Twitch because you can't hear it in the game in Minecraft. So if you're not in Minecraft, you hear it on the stream. And then if you are, if you do have Minecraft, you just leave the stream open in the background and you join in the game and everybody logs into the same multiplayer server and you see everyone else who's there with you around you as these custom avatars. You can design your own skin and your little username is above your head. And you can jump around, you can squat down, you can dance, you can kind of like throw your hands up. I mean, up on that, I, like these- I still can't tell if people were kind of <laughs> m- messing with me. I made my own skin and I spent some time on it. And I was being told days later that I was just the, the, the generic, whatever you call the guy. Alex, the girl. Alex, you, yeah, uh, the girl, yeah, sorry. You, you, Yes, you joined on Bedrock, and you were like the the default girl skin, which is named Alex. I literally, I I I I put on a black t shirt because I only wear black t shirt. I found a pretty good gig <laughs> for him. I did all this stuff, but obviously, I I did it wrong. Now, despite me sounding like an idiot, there, it's not as complex as it sounds like at all. I exactly as you say, I had just the the way I did it. I had Twitch up on my PlayStation, and then I was playing Minecraft on my on. Yeah on my ipad so i had the audio i had the sound and could go around and and watch these gigs and to make it clear it was also you had a different stage for each artist so the gig finishes i knew this in advance because i've recorded all the links but it's literally it's like look up at the big moon 
and go into this, this, the stage in the sky kind of thing. And you literally go to this different stage yeah. f- for each act. And it was, it was amazing. It was a, it was the, particularly in a time when we're restricted of general free engagement. It yep. was amazing for that. Cause you could have said you could walk in and out, you could be in the room or you could go and look over here and you could, yeah, just really get into it. Yeah. It, be, it became like a surprisingly cathartic in making it and doing it and the, the whole experience. And then everyone came away from it, performers and attendees being like, wow, that really felt like being at a show. And my, my interest in it as it developed was, you know, like you get invitations to do virtual concerts and live streams. And for some, for me anyway, I so cherish the performance space and the art of performance when they're big, when they're small. I like, the things you can do at a big show, the things you can do at a small show. I like, I like the the venue. I like using the venue. I like getting up on the monitor. I like the bigness of it. And I'm aware as an attendee of how much a thing it is that there's someone next to you experiencing it with you um, that, you know, it's, it's church, like for atheists and secular people, it's church really. And so the, the live stream thing that like, watch me do this into my microphone with headphones on and look at my upper body. I, it seemed like you, I would lose so much in performance there. And so this offered all the bigness plus some like, yeah, we could be like, ask the artist, like, what's your ideal stage? Well, I want to be like underwater. Okay. I want to be in the moon. Sure. I want to be in the jungle. Yes. <laughs> like, and we could do that all. Or if 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 your if your wheelchair sports camp, I want to be in front of a burning <laughs> police station. Again, yeah. it was wonderful. It, it was amazing. That's my favorite set. It was beautiful. It looked beautiful. But the the comparison I instantly felt was I remember the first time I started playing VR stuff on my PlayStation Four, and every game that was trying to be r- r- realistic. I couldn't lose myself in because no matter how realistic you get, I know that's not my hand. I know, do you know what I mean? I know these aren't my feet or whatever else. Whereas every (laughs) game that was just surreal, like I'm controlling a big robot, Mm -hmm. man, I'd get motion sickness because it just felt so real because I'm not, it's not pretending to be reality. It's an alternative reality rather than we're trying to trick you into thinking you're in a VR world. And that's what's perfect about Minecraft is, it's not these slick, realistic gr- graphics. It's blocks. It's really simple, yeah. but it's done beautifully. And it meant that you could lose yourself more because you're not distracted by the fact that it's not really you, if that makes yeah. any any sense. It really yeah. struck me when I was in there that that was the thing that I was like, wow, that's why this feels like a gig. And w- watching real-life humans on a webcam doing a gig doesn't feel like a gig at all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an it was like inherently safe in in all ways in in ways that even you know I mean there's also I mean it's a larger subject to get into but during the pandemic you know this this like me too uh, moment in music and you know all of that is is just that had been on my mind too so you know as we're thinking about like how do we make venues safer how do we make scenes safer how do we make all that safer this offered that. And what we talked about with like being able to put on any skin you want and walk into the show is, is like in many ways, it was like we can create an ideal here that maybe then we can like strive for where everyone just gets to be whoever they want. Everyone is totally safe. Everyone is is represented and, and able to just party and be together. 
Yeah. And yeah, weirdly offered by like 16 bit blocky cube things. There's no curves in the game. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's become like an ongoing series. Immediately, more people wanted more shows. So I got hired by Brown University, which paid me to make a a cool new gaming computer that's going to make all these streams like way more legit now. Um, Yeah. And uh, the next show is March 27th with more mother, do Yan, Susie Analog, Sancho. That that was the other thing I I was able to like in a you know, incorporate artists who are all around the world, make sure every bill is balanced uh, along some like gender and racial lines. So we're not, you know, like I'm, I'm really treating it like how can we build a utopian music community inside of Minecraft? Yeah. And the pandemic is a perfect excuse because no one can do anything, but you know, uh, so that that's happening. And then the next one is, uh, a benefit for the union of musicians and allied workers, which is a new union musicians have formed to ask for things like safer venues and, better streaming rates and things like that. They're unionofmusicians.org. And that's going to be like a a huge, huge lineup that's going to be announcing any day now. We're just like finalizing the concert in this world that is, uh, it's like a giant field with UFOs in the sky and each show will happen in a different UFO and you can go through the crop circle maze and there's houses to explore and a whole story and stuff. It's going to be like a two-day festival in Minecraft that's going to happen in April. And I'm just going to keep promoting minecraft shows because why not life is weird um yeah (laughs) it's it's so exciting so what's the way of 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 making money in that just just is is that through the patreon through twitch tips and and in 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 the show there's options of buying in like again it blew in mind (laughs) that you could buy in world merch Yes. So, so you could buy a never a never wrap t shirt to wear in Minecraft, and yeah, you could buy yeah that w- real world ones as well. But that was kind of the beauty of this. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was the surprising part too of of the success of the first one. We made a whole bunch of money, and I was able to go pay off everybody. I paid the artists. I paid all each of the artists more than I guaranteed them. Then I paid the people who helped us build the Minecraft world that weren't expecting to get paid. I just paid lots of people during the pandemic, and was like awesome let's let's do more and so now that we're going to see what we can do with the benefit the brown show is sponsored by brown so we're not don't even have to worry about monetizing it but yeah we figured out ways through monetizing the twitch stream so people's uh tips and donations and then the selling physical merch and the in-game merch you can get like t-shirts that your character can put on at the show and then like these tridents that when you throw them they make fireworks appear yeah and just like special items in the game and Yeah. And then like the ongoing way that it all gets supported is the subscriptions to my Patreon. Um, And that just supports me and like keeps me able to do shit like this. Yeah. It's amazing. So, 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 so where is, 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 is the Patreon? I guess that's the perfect point to kind of wrap things up there is that's the, the, the capture all (laughs) kind of location. Yeah. That was patreon.com slash B Dolan. I got a website too. I am B Dolan.com. And pretty much everything is like linked out to from there. But the Discord community too. I'm urging yeah. people to join Discord because it's a lot of fun. It allows us to stay in touch. And I don't have to worry about buying Facebook ads or going on Facebook. I'm, I'm off Facebook. I was going to say, how are you feeling about social media in general at the moment? Because I couldn't be downer on it. Um, I've, I've yeah. walked away from Facebook. My, yeah. my Facebook page has become an archive page now because yep. it's just trash. T- 
Twitter is arguably as bad, but it's weird because Twitter is the one I started off with. Like most people started off on Facebook. <laughs> I didn't. I started off on Twitter outside of MySpace. Tw- tw- Twitter was the first one I, I got. So it's, I'm finding it the hardest to walk away from. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And then there's Instagram. Instagram is the one I actually enjoy the most and don't tend to get too angry unless I've done a post that will get angry, angry, white men in the in the comments then that that becomes a thing but in general instagram is the least angry one yet loads wrong with that as well um yeah what's your 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 balance and relationship with the need as an independent artist and the 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 damage as an individual and as a society as a whole when it comes to social media big question to end on b Yeah, well, that this was pre-pandemic. I was aware of how whack Facebook was and Mark Zuckerberg and all that shit. Even before I had the like data to back it up, I just had like a feeling. Uh, and there was there was a period of time there where everybody's views and likes and impressions took like a really big dip. Everybody around me, all the artists, even the biggest artists that I know, were talking to me and just being like, "Man, it's strange." And and well, I say that, and I also it correlated to a dip in show attendance and sales that had everyone around me for a second going like, "Did I fall off? Did I get really shitty? Like, what happened?" And I it, and it was so universal that it made me go like, "Wait a minute! Like, I, I got to dig into this more." And and people had been talking to me about analytics and marketing and all of this shit and, and within the music industry, and I paid attention and listened to what they had to say and started to get curious about it at the same time that I was like, you know, the activist part of my brain was paying attention to what Facebook was doing to democracy and, and the algorithm and all these like hate groups and uh, ads that were running and, and the general tone was really like darkening and all this shit was kind of just like appearing on my feed more and more. And the picture that kind of became clear is was that the algorithm was actively driving people away from us, even though we'd spent years telling people like, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Facebook and, and making it so that the artist's website was just a total afterthought. And in fact, like where we really lived was Facebook. We would, we would like really work on these Instagram images and these really well thought out captions and posts and our heartfelt like journal entries and life experience was all getting poured into Facebook posts. And so it was all there. And, you know, all these people follow you there and have signed up for your updates. And now all of a sudden they're just not seeing you anymore. And like, you're not hearing from them anymore. And only when you buy an ad, do you suddenly see those names? You're like, hey, there you are. You know, I know on the last on on the Epic Beard Mentor, you saw this f- physically. You you paid for some ads, yeah, um, and you had people at shows who were like, yeah, oh man, like uh, where have where you been? You been? I, yeah. I, I've, I've I've been a fan fan for years. I've like I've wanted some new music for ages, and you and you're like, there's been three albums <laughs> since yeah. you last since you last looked, and that was because you you threw some money at the at the beast. Yeah. And that had never been our MO because we had always thought, well, that's for other people because for us, we really keep in touch with our fans. We're really here. And if you talk to us, we'll really answer you. That that had been our thing from the jump for a decade, pre-Facebook in MySpace days. So, you know, 
only once we realized they now have an algorithm that is searching for the words like buy new music, download any link that leads people out to another website, anything that is going to commercially boost us is going to get throttled and suppressed hard. If we post a baby picture, it will, it, it will get a million likes because that they, Facebook now knows that's not your commerce, but now they had like targeted us in that way where in, unless we paid Facebook, we weren't going to reach those people. So at that point, it just became, you know, okay. You know, at, at that point it, it became sort of a, an argument, honestly, between myself and, and Francis, because Francis didn't, there's the cat. Oh, this is interesting. The dog's inside and the cat's outside. All right, let me, hold on. Let me take a break and fix this. <laughs> this is the real life of the independent artists here. That was interesting. The dog managed to get in and accidentally shut the door, locking the cat out. Cat wasn't having it. Cat was, <laughs> this is not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> but basically, I mean, w- once I knew the fix was in, I said, okay, we have to, we just have to buy this now. Facebook is just a billboard you got to buy now. And until we can get everybody off Facebook, it's going to be that way. We're, we're not going to be able to reach them. So at that point, and to, to this day, really, we've had success with getting people over to Discord and Patreon and places that we can really contact them. And I just, it's now the flip side of how it used to be. The artist website is where I put everything. The Discord is where I put everything. The things I have control over is where like the real meat is. And then the just static stuff that leads you out somewhere else is my Instagram page. There's like 10 posts on my Instagram page. And it tells you like, if you want updates, go find me on the website. I'm elsewhere. And so I think that's what we just have to do collectively is just like divest from Facebook, Instagram. Twitter is a hard one for me too, because I like just like shit posting on Twitter. 140 characters is really, it's just such a perfect life to just like spit out the dumb shit that comes into your head throughout the day. It's such a a, a weird one for me because Instagram is the one I enjoy the most, but my most popular Instagram posts are screenshots of my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, man, this is, this is, a, this is a, a snake eating its own tail. There's no escape from this. I need to be on the one that I hate the most to to feed yeah. the one that I love the most. It's yeah, it's a weird one. And the you know the I don't even know that they necessarily know consciously all the bad. Dumb- and I know they consciously know some of the bad that they've done. Mm-hmm. Some of it, what I'm talk, talking about mostly here is like monetizing people's interactions and, and sort of like turning people into businesses. And e- even, I mean, you, you, everyone knows a person too, who like the worse their personal life is going, the more they're going to post on social media, even mm-hmm. if they're not selling anything, it ter- it's turning people into like PR companies uh, yeah. that are like selling you a version of their life. And you know, it's it's kind of turning everybody into a company, whether they they know it or not. And then with all the negative shit, I think that is the result of just the an algorithm that's been built to just keep people coming back to the website at any cost, no matter what it takes. And if that takes making you angry 50 times a day, then I'll just show you things that make you furious all day and you'll become a, a furious person. Or if it's obsessing over your ex or, or whatever it is that makes you click that that site has just been built to show it to you over and over and over again. And so the tone, the overall tone of what you experience on the site just becomes like a lot of depressed, angry people. And that's yeah. who you interact with there. Yeah. I completely agree. Again, it's, and it's, it's the fact that it's not chance. It's not chance yeah. that has made this. It's, 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 it's algorithms. It's, it's marketing. It's, it's a business plan. So that's what makes it so, 
horrendous to me. But there we go. The beauty is we've got Minecraft to convert into and 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 leave the real world and go and ex- exist in there. Yeah, so. and podcasts. Yeah, and, Damn, right. and hardcore listeners. Yeah, long term supporters. And that's We're down. It. There's 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 a thing that um a blind boy from a rubber bandits says on his podcast is like his patron is now his his main income he does amazing things and he's allowed to because he has a patron that that pays his 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 wage and he always says look all of this stuff is free if you can't afford it but if you can afford it you can pay for someone who can't afford it to to have it for free you're you, you you're allowing these people to to have this free version which is how we should should be living our lives that 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 should be the thing it's it's too big a subject to get onto now but billionaires shouldn't exist when there's so many people going hungry or whatever else we've we've removed the idea of enough or excess and the idea is now we need to just have more and more and more but if you can spare five dollars a month then you can spend it on something that's good and you support and that means something to you rather than the idea that it just needs to to build up over here, I need to hoard as much as much wealth as possible. Yeah, and sometimes you know, like the the community becomes a thing that that is more important than even me, the creator, or the output. But, but, you know, there goes the cat. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick her out of the room, and then we're gonna wrap up. We're gonna finish strong. <laughs> I love that we're ending on like three cat breaks. I usually let her cook, but she had gotten up on a on like a high shelf, and she was just gonna bomb shit. So, can b- before we get back t- to wrapping up, can you tell the listeners your cat's name, and most importantly, y- 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 your dog's name? The cat's name is Ella. Ella. The dog's name is Cupcake. Damn right, the dog's name is Cupcake. Um... Cupcake is tattooed on my left knee. Ella is tattooed on my right knee. I remember you getting the tattoo of Cupcake. Ironically. When we were playing a gig where I saw you carry a kick drum up several flights of stairs because the one of the members of the band had broken his foot, so he couldn't he couldn't help and be part of that. But that was yeah. that was the day. In yeah, it's Limerick. funny you mention that because uh, the, the surgeon asked me when he said this, like, "How did you do this?" He he asked me if specifically I had ever had to carry a kick drum up several flights of stairs like years ago and said that maybe an injury like this might actually have started at, at like that may have actually been what started it is what I'm saying. That's madness. Right? Had had uh, had Wargy not broken his foot in Dublin, getting drunk and falling down some stairs, he said <laughs> that uh, my neck might actually be here today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the beauty of science is you can be as specific as that. So it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. I genuinely, it cracked me up that when I was trying to find a picture of the two of us performing to, together to post about <laughs> what you'd been through, I found one with you rapping while I'm hanging from the ceiling on your shoulders. And I was like, as you responded, yeah. uh, uh, we found the murder weapon. <laughs> <laughs> your bony ass hips. <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure catching up, man. As said, people can find you on Patreon, on Discord, on Twitch, on all the social oh, media say, platforms, and at your website. I've got an album. I've got an album coming out in uh, April, in like less than a month. I'm releasing the the score of, of the, the movie. Vault. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it's limited limited edition, twelve inch. Get them while they last. I mean, it shows how much 
are we about to talk about that we've not had a chance to mention that you've you've written several films you've done the soundtrack for a, the full soundtrack for this film which is amazing again it's yeah the vault it's, a, it's a crime caper yeah and the soundtrack on vinyl a, a, a limited run yeah we'll do a we'll do a part a part do yeah when i'm fully healed 100%. in person and i can give you a sweaty hug at the end yeah well I, I, we'll see about that <laughs> I'm, I'm incredibly st- strong and explosive i don't want to do you any more damage um with the ferocity of my hugs now but it's been a pleasure man this has been a wonderful catch-up and i look forward to doing it in the real world and i'm fucking glad you're alive dude because that was fucking yeah. shaky f- for a minute there and it was <laughs> as you said it was uh, and i'm glad that you have an amazing wife who kicked your ass and kind of said look go and get a check because as you as you've said yeah. publicly and privately that was literally a life-changing choice to go and get that mri like in a good way and it could have been a life-changing choice in a bad way if you hadn't so no uh, yeah and i've been contacted by a lot of people too who have told me like you know reading that i've had this back pain i'm gonna go get the mri but also you know the <laughs> unfortunately so many people have been like man i've had this back pain and i can't afford to get the mri but holy shit you know so yeah get get the test listen to your very smart wife I mean, assuming she's, you know, like mine and my wife is much smarter than me. Shout to Desiree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and listen to your body. Take take a break. You're not a machine. You're not supposed to be a machine. That's the moral of the story for yeah, me. Yeah, completely. I think people n- n- need to realize, I think the push of fitness is a positive thing in the world, but I also think we need to remember that we're not tr- training for anything. Yeah. Like, keep your body healthy. <laughs> Don't yeah. beat it up to the extent that, that, that you're doing more damage there's not we're not actually athletes or whatever else so yeah yeah you don't get two of them it's a weird it's the container you're in but it's also like an extension of your your mind and your spirit somehow so treat it like it matters beautiful thank you very much mr b dolan i'm gonna press stop now on my recording word up You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was B. Dolan. I told you it was a hell of an episode, right? Yeah, man. It's been a, a crazy year for that dude. And I'm so glad he's come out the other end of it. And I get to have stupid things like chatting to him on Zoom and him getting annoyed about his cat interrupting. Yeah. Mad one, right? As 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 I said, you know, normally I plug my own shit, but I think B's Patreon is a better place to go and support. I think he's doing some amazing things over there as well. So, so the, the value is certainly there. But yeah, we don't know when Mr. Mr. Dolan is going to be able to get to any kind of normal touring life or whatever else. And these were previously his main incomes. Any of you who have been following me, in, in music in the past will have seen B Dolan and will have seen him often steal the show to be quite frank so that dude has hustled hard for a long time and he's paying the toll for that now so if any of you want to chip in and get involved then I think I think you should I think that would be awesome I'm sure I'll have B on an, an, another time as well obviously I, I love talking to the dude but I'll be back next week 
um, we're another musician, another, you know, full-framed, bearded musician. Um, You'll see who that is next week. So until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.